Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. You're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 208 on the White Dragon Podcast Network, recorded live on September the 2nd, 2020. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and this week I am not joined by my good buddy and co-host, Peter Mandel. Uh, and I'll get to why in a second. But folks, Pete and I are two lifelong Disney fanatics who have managed to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day. We want to share that magic with you. So pull up a chair, gather the family, or pop in your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Okay, I am super excited. I've talked about this a little bit uh, on the show leading up to today, but we have a very special guest today, and I am so supremely psyched to uh, to welcome you know someone that has definitely made a difference in my life and who has made a, a, a absolute uh, mark on the on the world of Disney, and that is uh, Sifu Mimi Chan from the uh, Wallum Temple here in Orlando. Uh, welcome. Hello, hello. So I'm, nice to be here. I am so psyched that we get to do this. Like when I first met you, like it was one of the first things that I said to you. I'm like, I have to have you on my podcast. <laughs> well, I'm I'm honored for the invite, Kevin. So uh, yeah, and and you know. Super excited to talk to you all about your experiences in Milan and then everything else that you do because you do so much. Like you've got like so many projects that are constantly in the works, and I think our our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about them. Uh, so typically, obviously, you guys know this is typically where we do the news, which is brought to you every week by our good friend and sponsor Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you, and who you can always find at Disney Dave W at Verizon dot net. But uh, this week, since it's kind of more of a special episode we don't have pete here we're gonna save the news because we're actually gonna do pete and i are gonna try to do a second episode later this week uh where we do like a typical two men in the mouse episode so i am gonna take a quick uh commercial break we're gonna hear from our wonderful sponsors and we'll be back with the re ticket attraction of the week so stay tuned folks more two men in the mouse coming at you right after this you know pete it's hard work planning a disney vacation course your whole family has to get going you got to pack everything up you got to figure out where you're eating you got to figure out where you're staying but you know what makes life so much easier makes your trip planning a more fun experience tell me that sounds like something i need absolutely you need a travel agent do we know one of those we absolutely do we know our good friend and sponsor dave weikert of magical travel the official travel agent of two men in the mouse folks we've both used him yes we have dave weikert plans our disney vacations all the time and we would not recommend him if we didn't use his services ourselves dave started his cranford based business here in 2008 and in that time has been planning hundreds of Walt Disney World vacations. Dave plans every trip as if it was his own and you will never find someone more passionate about Disney. Very easy to work with and will do his best to make sure you're satisfied. Working with Dave, you're likely to pay less and get more. And what's better than that, Peter Mandel? Tell me. You never pay a charge for Dave's services. It is 100% free. Dave will plan your entire trip for no additional cost to you. 
That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Dave has helped over 875 families enjoy their Disney vacations. A graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge, Dave has visited every Disney World resort and has personally stayed at 12 Disney World resorts. He's dined also at every Disney restaurant. He's crazy about Disney food. That is an accomplishment. Absolutely. I wish I could say I did that. That's like the snack challenge times 10. Yep. Dave also gives you Disney dollars for land packages and shipboard credits for any Disney Cruise Line vacations you might be going. Uh, This can be used as cash at any Disney destination or store. Traveling with kids in your party, Dave will also provide you autograph books for all your kids. He gave them to us? Absolutely. Your kids went down with Dave Weicker autograph books. Of course. Well, Disney autograph books supplied by Dave Weicker. Depends how his name on Dave simplifies your life by booking your complete vacation, including resort stay, airlines, Disney meal plans, and park passes. Also, checks daily for new discounts. When specials are announced, he immediately checks availability and rebooks your vacation at the lowest possible price. Dave can also book all your Disney dining and will do his best to get hard-to-book reservations like Cinderella's Royal Table and Be Our Guest. It's really, truly a no-brainer. Folks, take the stress out of your life. Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men in the Mouse. If you and your family are taking a trip to the Orlando area this year, your little ones deserve to stroll in style. Lugging a stroller from home can be an annoying and frustrating part of the first leg of your journey, and renting those hard plastic strollers from Disney theme parks can be both costly and uncomfortable for your kids. Well, I'm here to tell you about the solution to your child transport problems, and that's Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Not only is it less expensive than renting a stroller from the theme parks themselves, but these are padded luxury models with features like drink holders, canopies, storage baskets, and more. What's more, you keep this stroller with you for your entire trip, whereas park-rented strollers, you got to return them before you leave the park that day. This is going to make those late-night post-fireworks bus stop queues so much easier, and Dad's shoulders are going to thank you for it. So, how does it work? You just go to kingdomstrollers.com and make your selection on the stroller or crib that's right for your child. Just let the good folks over there know a great time for delivery and pickup and where you'll be staying. You can pick your stroller or crib up from the luggage stand at your resort and then drop them back off there at the end of your stay. So pack light, leave your stroller at home, and save up to a whopping 50% versus park price stroller rentals when you visit kingdomstrollers.com. humans my name is morty monster and i'm uh, well i'm a monster i'm here as an exchange student from the monster world where growing up i fell in love with the world of human pop culture unfortunately not a lot of monsters share that passion so i came here to experience all of these things that i love and to share that passion with all of you i do this through my youtube channel with regular video blogs One of my favorite things to do is film while in the theme parks of Orlando, Florida. Join me in Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and more. I'll also be reviewing comic books, web videos, TV shows, movies, and other awesome stuff. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash MortyMonster. I'm on Instagram as MortyMonster and Friends. I'm also on Twitter as MortyMonsterBFF. From there, you can find a link to my YouTube videos. Please like, subscribe, love, sign up for notifications and more for all the Morty content. I can't wait to share my adventures with all of you. Morty Monster.
This is Bill Farmer, and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse. Folks, a lot of people don't realize that the Disney characters we see on the screen are so much more than just ink and paint. These characters that define our youthful fandoms often have roots in the real world. Oftentimes they're based on real people. Animators have to draw upon real life places and individuals to create that perfect immersion for us as viewers. And today I'm joined by a very special guest who is one of the real life anchors of not just a beloved Disney character, but a bona fide Disney princess who broke a lot of ground uh, in the world of inclusion when it comes to film. Uh, on June 19th, 1998, Disney introduced the world to a breakthrough character. That, of course, was Mulan, the first Asian Disney princess. And my guest today was the model used by animators to bring this iconic and classic character to life. She's the host of the Culture Chat podcast, Sifu of the Walloom Kung Fu Temple here in Orlando, an award-winning filmmaker, and now my guest for today's show, Sifu Mimi-chan. I am so, so excited for this interview. Wow. I don't know if I can live up to that lo- that very uh, exciting <laughs> intro, but I'll do my best. I try to like, I, I, I try to just really go all out of the intro for people. <laughs> I love it. Maybe you could come in and do my intro for me on my podcast. I would be delighted to. I'll, I'll even do it through the voice of a puppet if you want me to. <laughs> uh, so um, before we jump into, you know, the process by which, you know, you acquired this this opportunity and you know and, and how it all came together i wanted to just ask you what the character of mulan means to you now meant to you then or how you feel it will mean to you for the rest of your life okay well it's interesting because i've always known about the ballad of fa mulan or hua mulan depending if you're speaking mandarin or cantonese yeah. right because there are kind of far and few in between female characters in you know Chinese folklore that is so iconic and heroic so when Disney came to us in regards to making this project my father was thrilled because of course he already knew who the character was there's so much history and so you know growing up it's not that I you know was reading Chinese fables every week or anything mm-hmm. but of course it was it was a, a character that I had felt a connection to because she was a Chinese uh, warrior you know and growing up doing Kung that was absolutely something that I could identify with, but also that she was shown in such a, a positive and strong light because there's this dissonance in the Chinese culture where on one hand, uh, there's a strong presence of females and their empowerment. On the other hand, uh, sometimes they're second class citizens. So right. it's a very, it's a weird kind of dynamic, you know? And um, so it, it had always meant a lot to me in terms of who she was as a character, someone that could, that young girls could look up to as somebody who wasn't just the side note to uh, other leading characters in, in different productions or stories or folklore. So I always felt a, a strong connection to her. But when Disney came to us, I was in my teens at the time and I learned even more about the character because originally they actually came to my father to be a consultant on it before the project was put on hold and then rebrought back to life. So that's kind of where I really learned a lot more about her in terms of who she was. So she was always someone quite special, but, you know, fast forward to we're in 2020 now it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. that it's been over 20 years since the movie released, which means it was, you know, 
at least four years before that when we started production. So it has been uh, something that has kind of marked and changed me because no matter where I go now, there's that association. And it isn't just me. Obviously, the amazing Ming-Na Wen is who brought her spirit and her yes. voice to life and the incredible Mark Hen who you know, animated and, and brought her action. So it's this, it's this collective whole and it's amazing to kind of be a part of something so iconic and to be recognized by uh, kids of that generation who are now adults usually, cause it's, you know, it was before CGI and all these different uh, types of animation that's now. So it's been interesting to see that, that character kind of span the length of, of several generations and um, just kind of being aff affiliated and associated with her has been very special. That's great. And so, you know, I think it kind of, um, it's probably natural to take a step back here to focus a bit on, on your background and your father's background to kind of talk about how this opportunity came into your life. So, I mean, so uh, Sifu Mimi has, has um, is an award-winning filmmaker and her, the documentary she created about her father is available on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime video, you've got it. So check it out. <laughs> and I mean, it is wonderful. Like I was riveted by it. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, about Grandmaster Chan's journey and um, how that kind of led to Disney approaching you guys, uh, especially because at the time they were producing uh, content here at what was then MGM Studios is now Hollywood Studios. It was a working animation studio at the time. So if you could like walk us down that a little bit, I think that would help absolutely. provide some. Yeah, of course, of course. So absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for your um, very, very generous compliments. I I absolutely adore and loved working on Pui Chan Kung Fu Pioneer, which, as you said, is on Amazon. And it really does chronicle the life of my amazing father, who really I would not be Mulan without because right. <laughs> uh, he has provided that background of Chinese martial arts and the culture um, here in the United States as well as, you know, within myself. But he's also shared that. So, you know, my father has um, basically was one of the pioneers to start teaching Chinese Kung Fu on the East Coast to non-Asian uh, practitioners. And it was it was definitely at that time, late 60s, early 70s, very, very uh, rare, you know. So mm -hmm. he's literally someone who escaped communist China, made his way to Hong Kong, got on a ship. And, and this is, you know, spoiler alert for yeah. those of you who are going to watch the film, but we are here in America now and literally swam his way ashore to the United States to uh, become who he is today, which is, of course, establishing a Kung Fu system throughout that is worldwide and worldwide recognized for those that, that are in the uh, Chinese martial arts circles. So he literally uh, kind of started and planted that seed from ground up. And it is, you know, kind of become this amazing art form that has been proliferated through his teaching. So he, you know, risked everything to kind of build his new life um, of freedom and li literally live the American dream. And so, you know, fast forward to Orlando, Florida, where he decided to move to from Boston because it was just so cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so very I'm, from cold. The, I'm from the Northeast. It gets very, very cold. Yeah. And, you know, being from Southern China, living in, in a, a temp, a, a, a a condition where it's mostly warm. He just, and, you know, being married to my mom, you yeah, your know, mom you from Jamaica, movie. right? My mom is from Jamaica. Exactly. Which uh, people usually do a little bit of a double take with, but it's, it's, that's the beauty of, I think that American dream, that immigrant dream and that melting pot that creates who we are now as a country mm -hmm. is people like my parents who came to this country for that freedom and to be able to start their lives and build from 
ground up. And so together they built this amazing temple, uh, which is in Orlando, which we're so happy for you to be a part of now. And it is definitely iconic. It's the first Kung Fu temple in the United States and um, has pretty much just, we've been fortunate for it to thrive and grow in Orlando. But uh, being in 1980, Orlando, Florida, if any any of you are in the central Florida area for a long time, you would know uh, it was very rural. It was very different. It was kind of like that Walt Disney beginning where they said, no, it's just swampland. You can't build Disney world on swampland. It's, right. There's nothing there. There's no and, attraction uh, except for the big giant orange. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And so it was, it was this weird thing where just like people probably told Disney, uh, why would you build there? It's just humid, hot, and it's swamp. It was the same. Why would you build a Kung Fu temple where there's no Chinese people and it's this crazy, you know, it was a forest at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, we feel that little bit of a connection with the Disney world and being at the Wallam Temple. Uh, and it's interesting nowadays, we have practitioners who come from all over the world and say, oh, my family, they're at Disney right now, but I wanted to come see the Wallam Temple. So yeah. it's kind of this hand in hand tourist attraction. It just depends on what you're looking for. Or they do both. They bring their families through and say, well, we were coming to Disney, but we had to come by the temple. So it's been really um, remarkable to have kind of these roots together alongside Disney World. And so because of that, uh, there was not a lot of of culture in terms of Chinese culture in Orlando. And uh, we we started the Chinese New Year celebrations. We started bringing performances and lion and dragon dancing and all of these different facets to the area. And with that, at the same time, Epcot was opening the China Pavilion. Mm. I want to say in 82, you may fact check me on that, uh, Disney expert. Uh, but <laughs> But basically, we did the grand opening. My mom was on the commercial. Really? Uh, for Epcot. Yes, for Epcot's China Pavilion. She had a little song, and we were in the, the dragon dance was in it, and we we grand opened that. And through the years, we've had a very close relationship with uh, performing with the theme parks and, and, and just kind of being that that kind of almost like a console like we are we're very very connected and so uh for very 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 many years we've had this very wonderful long-standing relationship with them and of course uh fast forward to Mulan at the time the the park was um like you said MGM Studios where there was actually animators there that were creating for film at the time. So it was split between Los Angeles, Orlando. And this, of course, was really special. Mulan was special to to the animators here because it was one that was like primarily here. So, um, so yeah, so we had a very close relationship with Disney, kind of growing up with them, having those growing pains of being right. in a place where uh, why would anyone come here type of thing to suddenly being this this destination, tourist destination. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so my, my, you know, my father and my mom and our system, we pretty much started a lot of the cultural events that 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 happened here in Orlando yeah I mean you know when I when I decided that um as part of like you know my fitness goals I wanted to learn uh self-defense and kung fu like I I had looked into what was around in the area and I mean the second I saw the temple I was like wow like it's so different from just like you know like you typically think of like um you know studio martial arts studios being like in strip malls and stuff like that yes. but this is its it's it's its own gated compound and yeah. i mean just everything that you guys have done to just make it such a a welcoming and warm atmosphere just so steeped in culture it's absolutely stunning like everything from the bridge over the koi pond to just how the temple is laid out. It's it, the patios. It's just unbelievable. And I, I mean, like, cause it was, it was important to me when I was looking uh, 
that I would find um, a place to learn that that had a had a cultural influence on it because I really wanted everything to be authentic in how I learned. I wanted to learn a respect for the culture behind it and not just you know the moves and i mean there was there was no contest <laughs> i mean it's also it fate had it that it was like 10 minutes from my apartment so <laughs> i was like oh score uh but you know it's funny because when i tell people about it and then i i, I mention you that you were the model for mulan they're just like oh so that's why you went i'm like no i didn't know that until, <laughs> i didn't know it until after i had signed up i was like it was just kind of a bonus right <laughs> right there's that disney allure yeah. that, that that you're connected to i i understand that and that was a big thing with why my father also moved from boston because the city was already a, a booming you know yeah. there wasn't land to just build this huge temple or if you if there was it was very expensive so you know coming to orlando florida there was a lot of reasons but i mean that's definitely one of them and my father wanted to create an authentic and traditional homage to what his tradition was and to have that atmosphere where people could train. And there was times where we had people that we had dormitories before in the eighties yeah. where people would literally come and live and be at this Kung Fu temple. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it was a kind of an interesting time. And of course that's all changed. There's a Wawa there now. So, yes. <laughs> so that's not there anymore, but, um, but it, we did, he did always want to create kind of this sanctuary where you could leave the outside world behind and like step through and focus on yourself and your betterment and your martial art and kind of be in a space where atmosphere is such an important thing and so yes he was never going to open that strip mall but but it is a very very special and unique place so yeah i mean the second fortunate. you come through the gate i mean you're just kind of and it's kind of like the same like with disney where it's like you know when you walk yeah, through you go through when, the gates when you walk through the <laughs> gates like you leave here you leave the world of today and enter a world of you know like all that stuff it's yeah very, fantasy yeah fantasy adventure and i, I mm -hmm. can't believe i'm spacing on what the magic kingdom sign says right now my listeners are all screaming <laughs> into their into their phones right now at me uh but uh so disney approaches your father to consult on the film and yeah so originally they did and then they they did we never heard from them again they scrapped it or they tabled it um this was several years before the real production actually started oh really so, so it was like early had, 90s early 90s he had scrolls he has the ballad he has all these things because as you know now we have a cultural center yes. in which we have all this artwork and all these amazing things that uh we're able to display a lot of things that uh could share that the that chinese culture and things that he's collected over the years just just through through gifts and through many many trips to china so uh so yeah they originally consulted with him to be the 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 consultant for the film and then it went away and then when they came back on board uh they had a whole new team and they did find us again because again we did a lot of performances but we actually didn't know because we were hired to come in and give tai chi lessons to the animation team and okay. to do a performance because disney likes to submerge their their animators they sent them to china to see architecture mm -hmm. they kind of like them to see you know all there is to do with what they're working on so we said yeah. my mom saw that it said mulan was kind of the theme or something and she goes well that's weird that's back but they didn't um have the notes from before to actually bring him in as the consultant so when we went to do this tai chi seminar uh that is where i was discovered and the producer for the show was there and uh wanted me to meet mark hen and the rest is history <laughs> how old were you at the time I was 16. So wow. I was about the age of Mulan. 
Yeah, I know. Which people who are doing their math are like, wow, she's not 16 anymore. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was about the age of Mulan and I walked in and I've told the story many times, but I know your listeners would probably like to hear. And, you know, Mark Hen was at the time had just finished, I think, doing all of the, the iconic princesses from, you know, Ariel to Belle to Jasmine, you know, so he was he had his own office whereas the rest of the animation teams kind of in this big open like cubicle like like very open animation but he had his own domain because he's Mark Hen and I walk in and there's just wall to you know ceiling to floor wall of Asian women faces and so in any other premise that could have looked (laughs) kind of weird but he literally was just trying to find his inspiration and uh, when I walked in, it's, it, it was just, it was just kind of a kismet and he was so generous, uh, several years back an Orlando business journal did a piece on me and he gave an interview and was like, yeah, it was just like Mulan walked in my room. And so, uh, from then on, he wanted to kind of use me as the model. And then in addition, my cousin and I ended up being the martial arts video reference. So we, we just ended up kind of working with the project at that point. And so because it was before they were doing. Uh, motion capture it was on the cusp of motion capture okay. it was already the tech was there but they did not use that and they were very specific that i am clear that that is not something that was used for this project they mm-hmm. basically filmed us as video reference so we did all of the action sequence we did all the choreography they filmed it like they would a movie and then they used that probably at the time vhs and played <laughs> it back over and over um so yeah yeah, I mean, you know, that's something that Disney was always so famous for doing. And I think it I think it really shows when you look at like their even their classic animation as as compared to other animation, they would take the time to go to China to, you know, to work with um with people uh and models. Like there's even that classic shot of of Walt Disney when they were uh, animating Bambi and he had a live deer in the yeah. animation studio. Um so so you 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 go in there you meet with you meet with this legendary artist and then just right away he's just like boom it's you like we're going yeah. with this yeah yeah he pretty much I guess like an artist knows, right? An artist Mm -hmm. knows what he's looking for, especially having been several, several months already researching and just looking for kind of that look and feel. Uh, So yeah, it was really an interesting thing. So we we did two different things. One is my cousin and I, uh, George Key, see for George, my cousin, he was chosen to be Shang's look. And so he and I did still... Um, martial arts poses so that the animators could actually just practice and so Uh we literally would be like in the middle like what you would think of an art class looking like in the middle of a thing doing these positions and they would get practice doing the different stuff would you have to like hold in like in in the in the pose for long periods of time yeah i mean not super not like hours in one position because it was like it was a practice where they were doing fast sketch type of thing and one of the animators also uh, I have it in the cultural center. He gave me his sketch because it was such a, I mean, it was amazing the speed in which they do these things. And I, I don't know what kind of, if it was charcoal or what kind of uh, art, but it was so spot on that they're like, you need to give that to her. Like that needs to go uh-huh. like that needs to be. And so it was so cool. Cause he gave that to me. And that was from the time period of when they were working on the, the project. So all of that was, I think more like practice for them. You know, it was just like, fine tuning it was what we in kung fu would call like the drills they were doing their basics so we would do that and then of course we would do the video reference and at the time like i said they hadn't looked at their notes so they had hired a quote-unquote choreographer 
um, who is a very, very nice gentleman that apparently did some really great battle sequences. So I think his consult was really more for when the horses were riding right. in over the snow. I think he was more brought on for that. So he really left it to us to pretty much do all the hand-to-hand martial arts because he didn't know Chinese Kung Fu. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. It's many years later. I don't think I'll get in trouble for this, but um <laughs> You know, but he's credited as the martial arts choreographer, but really my cousin and I did pretty much all of it as well as, you know, the I'll make a man out of you sequence. And it's it's very wall lum. So anybody who knows martial arts can kind of recognize all of those sequences. And that's pretty much was just left to our own devices. Like we pretty much choreographed it and then they videoed us. And, um, you know, what's funny to prep for for this interview. I, I went back to Mulan and watched a lot of clips. And one of the one of the things that I watched was the I'll make a man out of you video. And I and now, like having been through a few months of training at the temple, I'm like, this looks kind of familiar. <laughs> like like <laughs> it, you could tell the influence there. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So how long did this entire process take? I mean, you're saying it was a couple it took years, several it, years, years. OK. Yeah. Yeah. It took at least a couple years because I, I think I was working on it through high school. So I would say a couple years. It's all a little fuzzy now, right? It's yeah. so weird to where we finally did the the, the launch. Um, so I would say at least two years is is when we were kind of going back and forth to studios. So, so to MGM. When was the first time you saw the character fully animated? Was that when the trailer came out? Did they show you something beforehand? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't see anything animated till till the character came out. I did see the poster early on and it's interesting because to me I feel like the poster looks like me I feel like certain parts of the film you know like Mm -hmm. there's parts where she definitely looks a lot like me and then there's other parts where I'm like she's just an animated you know but I feel like the poster is that is like what I looked like at 16 (laughs) Like that one to What's me. What's that moment for you then like to like, you know, you really? see a poster for a major film from from the most major studio animation studio in the world. And it's you. You know, it's an interesting thing because at the time, I don't know. I was so floored by it. Like I thought it was very cool. Uh, but I guess I've been a performer my whole life, having yeah. done a lot of stage and whatnot. So it just felt like another thing. But I mean, it was very cool, but it was cool because they gave us a ton of posters. And so I was able to sign a lot for at that time, whoever was around the school at the time was really lucky because they yeah. got a lot of those signed posters by, you know, my cousin and I. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, it was one of my dad's favorite gifts to give out to oh, sure. there are people. And um, had <laughs> I've known then what I know now, I think I would have been a little bit greedier and, and hoarded a few more for ourselves. Like <laughs> right. I don't have any of the swag from then, but, uh, but yeah, I think seeing the poster was for me that moment of like, wow, like I'm actually an animated character. And so that was very, I think that is something that I remember even more so than when we got to see the screening. So we did get to do a screening. I didn't get to go to the Hollywood premiere. That was my next question. If they flew you yeah. to the premiere. It, it this sounds kind of weird uh, and crazy, but at the time it was just kind of bad timing, I think, because um, Pocahontas, the model for Pocahontas, I think, had just sued Disney. Oh, for her likeness use and not getting the residual like amount of money one would think. So people think also that I get residuals from Mulan and I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, so because we're we're specifically credited in a specific way. And right. um, so so yeah, and so I think 
in the making of videos. They had us around. Mark Hen talked about us all the time and they were very much instructed to make sure that it was very generalized and that the quote unquote choreographer was the one, like I saw clips where he's showing, oh, we were doing this with the animation team and um, that's not exactly how it went down. So, <laughs> so and, and like I said, it's been several years. Hopefully Disney's not going to try to sue me for, for saying any of this. Mm. But the thing is, they were being very careful and they're being very vigilant about how they came across with who did what in the film. I mean, even Ming-Na Wen, I think, had to fight for top billing as the voice did and she really? of Eddie Murphy at one point. Um, even oh, I, I want to Eddie say, Murphy, like, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it was like, uh, even on IMDb up until whatever, like it would, you know, like little things like that, right? Like where, you know, um, even though Eddie Murphy is a, a, an amazing voice and actor and mm -hmm. of course is a minority at the same time, it's a Chinese film, it's a Chinese right. American film. And so, uh, so there, there, there's always a little bit of politics and a little bit of, of things like that you have to kind of combat with, but it's still really magical to be a part of such a, a amazing project that has captured the hearts of so many and, oh, sure. and has, has definitely been an, uh, an amazing experience overall. Oh wow! Yeah, I can't. Did you have you ever met Ming Na Wen? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So what's weird is not until several several years later. So up until about maybe five years ago, we they she comes to do the candlelight procession at yes. Epcot, Disney Candlelight, and someone decided we need to do a Mulan reunion, and I met her at one of her first ones she did, and like so every year or two or every other year we've been doing Mulan reunions, um, oh, just wow. backstage together. I think last year they were trying to do kind of a PR moment with it, um, but it just didn't get done in time, and so we usually just do a private like hello, and um, I've posted that on my Instagram and yeah. stuff. She incredible she's a disney legend oh yeah uh, I, I adore her and she's 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 everything that i think fans would want to know she is when oh, you that's meet so her. good she's to hear. gracious she's she's she spent so much time i brought you know a couple of our, my girls like the fans they were doing um performances on site uh so i was able to bring them and she was gracious with them she took photos she's she's just amazing and uh yes it's always nice to hear when a a-list actor like herself is is unbelievably gracious with her fans and with others. Like she's so down to earth. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so everyone should continue to adore her, and and she did. She she is the voice and the spirit of the character, and it was it's very cool to have those Mulan reunions and to have that connection to her. Yeah, you know, one thing that that um, I think really stands out about Mulan as a character, it was representation at a time where there really wasn't a lot of representation for 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 people of color. In, in film, especially animated film. I mean, it, 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 it took how long to get Princess and the Frog? Uh, yep. Frog, and, and, you know, so Pocahontas had come before Mulan, and I believe Pocahontas was the first uh, Disney princess of color. And then, you know, Mulan comes along. And so, like, what did that mean on a cultural level, do you think, for a lot of people to, to see this character kind of come to life? Well, I think it, it was it was huge. It's it was big then and it's still big now. Yeah. It's amazing that 20 plus years later, we're still talking about the fact that there are movies that break through like Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians mm -hmm. and seeing things on TV where you're like, wow, look at the diverse cast. I mean, that was 22 years ago. So you can imagine what an impact it had. And for 
for Asians all over the world. We're not even just talking in the USA. You know, I had people calling me from Hong Kong. I had people calling me from Europe that were like, wow, it's so amazing to see that, you know, we're represented in the same way we feel now that it's, it's, it's iconic and meaningful to see characters on screen that represent you and that show you in a positive light, not just as, like I said, a second class citizen or very, very sidebar. I mean, it's always been a struggle. It's still a struggle 22 years later. So at that time, it was just super meaningful. You know, mm-hmm. for I hear it more, I would say, in the last 10 years than knowing about it at the time. Like, because of my age as well, you know, as a 20 year old, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not really as, um, as much of an activist as I am now, uh-huh. you're not as, you know, pushing for that, you know, that social activism and everything. So looking back, it was still really huge because I remember the impact it had. But even now I hear from grown women who come up to me crying at, at signing events and things about what it meant to see someone that looked like them. Mm-hmm. And Disney princess and who was strong and powerful. And I always like to remind everyone, really one of the first ones who did not get rescued by the prince. Yes. Did not get rescued by the, you know, the male lead. Yep. She's the heroine truly. Yes. And so that was, cause as much as like Ariel's like one of my favorites, right? So uh-huh. as much as I love that, I mean, still, you know, Eric was her knight in shining armor in a sense. Right. So it was, it was definitely groundbreaking and I think paved the way for other characters that were more like her in terms of she is the actual heroine as the female lead. Yeah, Mulan, Ariel was kind of the last princess that kind of had that damsel in distress thing going on. She was also one of the last ones to have that love at first sight thing going on. Like they, Mm -hmm. that she, she, Ariel was kind of created, and I love Ariel. Ariel was kind of created more in the vein of like the Auroras, the Snow Whites, the Cinderella's. Mm -hmm. Whereas then you started to see this shift in the 90s toward characters like Mulan, like Jasmine, like uh, Belle. Uh, Mm -hmm. Belle, I think, was, was the first Disney princess that was just kind of like, not a damsel in distress. And then Mulan actually to be the, because I mean, even in uh, Beauty and the Beast, it's the beast that throws down with Gaston. Exactly. Exactly. You know, He's still Mul- getting that moment of heroism. When Mulan, like when you see Mulan, when she, when she takes up Shan Yu's big, huge sword and like when she has that, that fight scene is just spectacular. And it, it's really the first time you've got this, this, female action hero as a disney mm-hmm. princess and, yes. and 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 that i think is one of the uh the cool things also is the fact that like she's a disney princess and she's an action yes. hero like not yes. even just a disney character uh oh man i love it so much i'm just yeah like, totally i mean i think out. it's great because there's a, a redefinition of princess as well like the word yeah. princess itself, you know, and it's like, you can still be a Disney princess, but you can also still stand on your own and also save everyone around you and be that, 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 you know, shoulder and that weight and that, you know, grounding for everybody else. So yeah, because she literally saves everybody else, you know, Shang is there as that male co-star, but that's the point. He's actually the co-star yeah. and she's him, you know? So I, I think it's, I think it was, it's something definitely, like I said, I'm just super proud to be a part of, but I think it was important. She was a very important pivoting moment for, for female characters and princesses. I mean, that moment at the end, um, when she's on the, at the emperor's palace and all Mm -hmm. the people bow to her, 
Yes. It's such like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Like yeah. it, it's almost like that Lord of the Rings moment where it's like, my friends, you <laughs> bow to no one. Like it, it's like that tear jerking, like feel yeah. good, awesome moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing I love about Mulan is that it's a fun movie. It's a funny movie. Eddie Murphy injects that like that yes. comedy into it when she picks up Mushu and like like pulls on him to light the to, to light the rocket. Like, yes. it's Oh, I absolutely love it. Now, now, um, you know, obviously, the live action movie is coming out. Um, yeah, I, in what two days? I think. Yes, yes, very, very soon. Yes, long time in the making, and now a long time waiting of waiting release. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now it's going to be on Disney Plus for thirty dollars. Right. Uh, what you know? When I first heard that, as as you know, like like a a young guy in my thirties, I was just like thirty bucks. I'm not paying thirty bucks for blah blah. blah. And then like all of my listeners were like, "No, Kevin, you don't understand. For a family of four, this is this is a bargain." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, like I'm not really the target on this one." Uh, exactly. So, I mean, how are you, how are you feeling about what you've seen about the movie? They made some major changes. I don't believe Shang is in it. I know Mushu is not. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Most of the music is cut. Yep, yep. It seems to me yeah, like they're just trying to make it like a straight-up action-adventure movie. And it, it's weird because I, I actually think that was a better choice because I think it's very hard seeing a lot of the live-action films to embody what the animated fil- films do. Yes. Right? I, I mean, as good as some of them have been, I think it's almost better that they just kind of do, do the character and then do that take on the character versus constantly being compared to something that probably will never live up to. You know, I I know fans are pissed off that there's no music. I'm sure they're going to have like some um, reprises of the theme. I'm sure you'll hear it, right? But I get it. I get that they wanted a musical and I get that they miss having that, that you know, comic relief. I think it's taking a much more serious tone. I feel like as long as they're true to her as a character, I feel it can be a really good film. So I think they can do a very good film as long as it it's true to the character. And I think they've tried to do their best based on, I mean, I was impressed with the, the public uproar over some of the early releases of script nods and saying what they were going to do and people were just not having it. Yeah. And I think that they made a lot of changes and a lot of changes to, to decisions with casting and writing. And uh, that just shows the power of viewership. And I think that's something that's really important that we as viewers continue to b- demand more of our of our film studios. Well, and, you know, and that's a thing whenever you have a remake of something, I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of a fan outcry. of They want it to be exactly the way it was mm-hmm. in the beginning, like a shot for shot remake. And yeah. like like um, Final Fantasy seven remake came out earlier this year on the PlayStation. And it was a remake of the 1997 RPG. And I remember my one friend was like, well, if it doesn't have this, this, this and this, it's going to be garbage. And I said, well, if you want this, this and this, there's a game out there called Final Fantasy VII exactly. that you can go play. Like, right. you know, right. you have to reinvent things when it comes to the, these remakes. And and sometimes they, they do, like you said, skirt a little too close to what the animation did. And you can't recreate it. Like Aladdin, I tried to, Aladdin's my, like one of my all time favorite yeah. Disney animated films. But when I turned the live action on and he's just walking down the street going one jump ahead. And I'm like, nope, I turned it right off. Yeah, it's just you don't get the same feeling. And no matter what you try to do, it's not going to be the same. And right. that's the point. And it's a different medium. So even though they're both films, animation and live action are different mediums. It's just like why some books 
when they get translated to film, people get mad because it's not just like the book, but that was the point. It was written as a book, not as a film. And yes. this is a discussion I've had on my show many times with a great friend of mine, Greg Rucka, who wrote the screenplay for Old Guard, Old, The Old Guard, but also is the comic writer. And he's like, it's totally different. I yeah. wrote something completely different because it's a different medium and you can't write it the same. And I think that whole animation to live action is, is the same thing. It gets very, very lost. So you have to do what you're going to do. And I'm really hoping that they did a good job of the medium that they've decided to go with. And I, and I, I definitely am rooting for it. I want it to be amazing because it's, it's another representation for us. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, b- before we, um, before we close out, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about the documentary that you made about your father and sure. how did that cut? Co- like, how did that come about? How long did it take to create um, and, and, you know, how has it felt for you seeing the recognition that it's gotten, the awards that it's won? I mean, this is really, it's the story of your family and of every member of your family. It's you, your sister, your mother, your father. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's just such a spectacular story. And I mean, like, so how did it, for, when did you first decide, I'm going to make a documentary about my father's story? I've always had it in the back of my head that it is something that, you know, Kung Fu is a visual art form. And as much as, you know, there's been little tidbits of like, you know, Kung Fu books and things like that, I, it's always been in the back of my mind. And when I was at film festivals, I got asked this question a lot, like, how long did it take? I'm like, uh, 20 years. But, <laughs> but in essence, it's because over time, once video was a thing that you, we had our own home cameras and stuff, mm-hmm. I was trying to constantly take footage in my head for the one day that I would be doing this thing, you know, and then anytime we did an anniversary book, like we did the 30th year of the Wallum of, of USA and the 25th year and all of these things, I would make sure I digitized as much as possible in preparation for the day I actually sat down to do the documentary. So it was a long time in the making in that sense. But in terms of production, I'm going to say one to two years. So over the two year mark, I did a small home home family version that used all music that could never be licensed because <laughs> I would never have had the budget for it. Right. All things, And it was like a family showing of just for us, um, just to have something for posterity. And then they love that so much. They were like, we want to show everyone. I'm like, whoa, you can't show this because there's rights. There's, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like what you just do for a home video thing. And so then I, I really took it on. And so I would say, you know, production was a, a good year filming wasn't too bad because honestly it was a lot of archival and then as you know with 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 documentaries it's going to be a lot of sitting and just interviews right and so that part of it was actually quick the editing uh the archival stuff the you know piecing together you know that took a, a good year of my life and then of course you know, releasing the film is another year of film festival mm. runs and all of that. And it's a whole nother animal. You know, I, I, I say I'm an indie filmmaker because I did this project, but it, it took so much out of me. I, I can, I analogize it to people like giving birth. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know how people do this every other year when they have five kids or whatever. Right. Like it's so much. And that responsibility stays with you. I mean, there's times I'm still having to get redistribution because my distributor went out of business over the last whatever, and I had to re-release uh-huh. it. And so it doesn't ever leave you, you know? Yeah. And um, because of the nature of who I am, I kind of did almost everything myself. So it was something that was so personal. I felt I had to edit it. I, it was something so personal. I wanted to be involved in every facet and had I 
had I looked back, I think I would have been happier and more sane and had less of my life sucked away had I had more crew and more team and yeah. people to kind of help collaborate. But it was something I really took on all of my own. And um, I don't even know if I could do it again, to be honest. Like, I don't know if I could actually physically do it again. It was just something that I set my mind to and I did. And that's kind of my personality. But I, I every time I sit down to do any editing of any kind, I'm not an editor. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I don't remember how to use after effects or any of these things. So every time I go to sit down and do anything, whether it's a small reel for the temple, it's, I have to relearn everything, you yeah. know? So I, you know, moving forward, any projects I do, I, I have learned my lesson there, but it was something that was very close to my heart. I wanted it to be while my father was here to be able to appreciate it, to be able to go to those film festivals and to be able to get up on stage and be proud of the fact that he's recognized in a different way way mm -hmm. you know that his story was so impressionable to so many people film critics as well as audiences i mean we were so blessed that every one of our screenings were sold out uh, and in film festivals those of you who go to them know that that's definitely not a normal thing so right. festival directors loved us <laughs> i'm sure but i'm i'm a performer so every one of my shows had a live lion dance i made sure our q a was spectacular my father's very charismatic and people are drawn to him and so our our ticket sales were like no joke when it came to festival releases and the, um the videos in the documentary of, of you and your father performing it's just like breathtaking oh thank you like like i mean <laughs> You know, I, I I can't even put it to words. Like I talk for a living, and I can't put it to words. Like it, it's just because. <laughs> so like I had decided that like I was gonna go down like the next day and and sign up, and so then I saw that the documentary existed. I'm like, oh, let me watch this tonight, and I watched it, and like tears in my eyes, and just yeah. riveted. And then the next morning, I was like, all right, I'm going. Like <laughs> I went right there, and like I was just immediately like so excited to like to sign up for it, it, it it's i mean i highly recommend it especially with how easy it is everybody has amazon prime because none of yes. you are, none of you are paying for shipping on it none of you are paying for so, shipping anymore <laughs> yeah so you've got amazon prime check it out i mean it, it's just such a like i i, I made my parents watch it like it, it's just so it's so incredible and you can feel the and you guys did quite a lot of travel for it too like you went to boston you went to china yes yes um, yes and then the shaolin temple at one point too right Yes. Yeah, so we go there anyway. My father was the first to start those tours to the yeah. Shaolin Temple. And so we are fortunate to have archival footage. I think a lot of people don't even have just because we were one of the first to be there. So that archival footage, I think, is probably well sought after. I mean, maybe there's like some major film crews that at one time had been there, but I really feel our archival footage is quite unique. And also to have kind of the back access that he had. Mm -hmm. He was inducted into, you know, the Shaolin Temple and things like that. And we have footage of that, which is kind of unheard of and nowadays it's different honestly now the shaolin temple is a little like disney world it's yeah. like a theme park um so it yeah, doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same feeling and so yes we we were all over the world for this but you know essentially it really just came down to kind of sharing i wanted to create something especially <laughs> i guess now it's just as relevant at the time i just felt you turn on the news, everything is so depressing. Everything yes. is stressful. Everything is conflictive. And I wanted to share an inspirational story. And I tell people, this is not a Kung Fu story. This is an American dream, an immigrant story. It's mm -hmm. a, a story of survival and, and, and it's meant to motivate, inspire. And so it was amazing to see 
everybody in tears in the theater all together. Cause you know, that's what the theater experience is supposed to be, right? Yes. We're all there experiencing and feeling the same thing. The first time, you know, Luke steps on screen with his lightsaber. That's where the audience goes crazy together. It's that same thing where you, you jump up and you scream together, you cry together and you have those moments of that deep breath together. And it was amazing festival after festival to see that. I mean, we had some screenings where people were like sitting on the floor. It was so packed. Wow. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it was really amazing, especially the Orlando screenings, right? Yeah, like right. We were, we were full house. So um and and then to be awarded on a uh film critic level to be recognized as a director, to be recognized in that way was definitely very meaningful and validating to me. So it wasn't just like fans of my father who love the film. Right. It was recognized at every single festival um, winning an award, which is also at the time, I didn't really know that was not a big deal, you know, I mean, until I spoke to other filmmakers and they're like, you know, how hard it is to even get into festivals, let alone win, let alone et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, yeah. you, you say you're not an editor, but I mean, like it's expertly <laughs> cut. Like if you watch, you. if you watch Puichan Kung Fu Pioneer next to like something by even like someone like Michael Moore, like you can't like the quality is the same. Thank like, you. It's. So you must just be a natural at it. <laughs> I, I, I credit that to my Kung Fu training. Everything I do, I do with as much precision and hard work. And so I tend to be a bit of a overachiever and a little bit on the OCD side, maybe a lot. Uh, I've been accused of being CDO, which is, you it's, know, it's like you're so reading OCD. my mind. It's like you're reading yeah. my mind because the next question I had for you was how do you think that Kung Fu has shaped you as a person over the course of your life? Because I know you started basically from birth. Right. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much from birth. Uh, it's absolutely who I am. And so when I had that choice of do I go to Hollywood and pursue my film career or do you know, I did actually I did go to Hollywood to quasi pursue, uh, pursue that and was on a track where I could feel um, because I'm such a, a dedicated, hardworking person because of my Kung Fu, I feel like it could have been a path for me, you know, but I am a martial artist at heart and it was not L.A. was not my home. Yeah. It was not a place I could feel comfortable. I missed my temple. I missed my roots. And so being a Kung Fu teacher, being a Kung Fu practitioner is who I am. And so what does that mean? Kung Fu is hard work. You know, all the things we teach at the temple of respect and kindness and fellowship and, and just always learning and bettering oneself. That is who I am. And that plays into every facet of my life. Any success I have, whether it's through film, whether it's my, you know, ability to do podcasts, whether it's my ability to do performances, because they're not one in the same, is because of who I am as a martial artist, as a Kung Fu practitioner. All of those skills and all of the discipline that I've learned through my Kung Fu practice plays out into every facet of my life. So the reason I was able to do that film, edit all of those things is because of my Kung Fu training. So, uh, and it's, it's just a bit of my personality. As right. Well. Uh, my last question for you is what are some of the most important lessons that you learned from Grandmaster Chan that you now pass on to students at the Wallam Temple today? Uh, that's a, that's a great question. And a little bit of what I just said was really bettering yourself. You know, if you read one of his books that he talks a lot about his philosophy, the reason we train Kung Fu is not for kicking and punching. Yes, it's for our health and, and well-being and all of these different um, characteristics, but really bettering yourself, 
finding your self-discipline, learning control over your body, over your mind, and, and having that self-control, I think is one of the most important things. So at the end of our class, we recite a lot of different things on our martial arts altar. It's not religious, it's really more philosophical. And I think those teachings are the ones that I'm still learning. Just because I've been doing this for 40 plus years does not mean I've mastered myself or right. mastered the art of self-control or discipline. I, I, I have to constantly work at that. And I think understanding that that as well is the lesson in itself, knowing that you're constantly bettering yourself, getting 1% better every day. That is something I think people forget because we are in a society very much where you get a certificate and you think you're done learning that yes. I've checked it off. I'm a PhD now. I, you know, they say they have, you have the God complex as a doctor or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I think when you're a martial artist, it's a very humbling life because you're never at the top. You're constantly learning, constantly, constantly trying to improve oneself. And I want my students to also live by that because the world I think would be a better place if we all had empathy for one another and knew that we were all a work in progress and that no one was quote unquote better than the other person, that we're all going towards that same goal. Well, as one of your students, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and we'll keep that in mind. I mean, you know, people have like noticed in a a big change in me over the last couple of months, like, you know, physically and mentally, you know, I've dropped over since I've, I've joined the temple, I've dropped 25 pounds Wonderful. Like, and, and just have so much more energy. And it, it's amazing how like it, like you put in the work and it just happens. Like the other day, like even just the other night at training, I went up into iron bridge for the first time. Wonderful. And it just like happened. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't like a, like a strain. Like I just kind of like arched and it just happened. Yeah. And it was just this like blossoming moment in my head. And I think like, it's exactly what, what you're saying. And it, it, it was just such a great moment. And you, you put together such an amazing location and community around everything. And I mean, it's just, you should be insanely proud of it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it is a testament to my father and my mother's vision for creating this space for people. But, you know, back to your training, consistency over time. And, and, and it is, it's, it's kind of an aha moment or, oh my gosh, this just happened moment. Because if you are there consistently over time, that is where the, you see the progress and progress is hard to see when you're just, you know, trying to measure it daily. It's, it's something that you see kind of over time. And that's an testament to the fact that you're coming to classes and, and the weight loss, I, I, listeners who don't know, uh, we don't train in air conditioning. No, so, <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> so a big part of it is also it's Florida in summer. And so kudos to you for being able to endure the heat. And uh, we do a bit of tradition. That was one of the traditional things. It is not actually good for your respiratory system to be in that cold air in Chinese uh, custom. And so we, we encourage a lot of hydration, but yeah, we train in the uh, open air, as we call it at the temple. There is no AC, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It is definitely a sweaty, sweaty experience. To paint that picture. <laughs> uh, but and, you know, like so and also, you know, you put out a lot of these um, like like you, you and Sifu Oscar put out so many like fitness kind of mm -hmm. videos through social media. Do you want to like give that a, give that a plug? Absolutely. Absolutely. That? Yeah. So um, in addition to all the different things that we're doing here with the, the movie, I, I do a culture chat podcast. Like you said, mm -hmm. that's something completely different from my Sifu Mimi persona. But uh, I definitely we feel that there is a lot of information that should be shared with everybody who don't maybe live in 
in Orlando. So we do a 40 fit foo and that's specifically for people who are uh, 40 or just feel 40 and up and just want to make sure they're able to continue their regimen, whether it's Kung Fu, Tai Chi, fitness, anything. And so we give a lot of quick tips on that. We just actually had our hundredth episode. Yes. And so we, all of this is on our YouTube channel. So we have Wallum Films is our YouTube channel. And in addition, we have Kung Fu Pod, which has seafoods from around the world that kind of guest star in that. We do self-defense things. We do things on philosophy. We have a lot of different outlets that kind of we want to appeal to martial artists around the world and any practitioner that wants to just stay in shape. So Sifu Oscar and I do that 40 Fit Foo uh, every week and uh, have been putting that content out for uh, 100 episodes now. So we've taken a little bit of a break now in the last couple of weeks as a, a little bit of a uh uh, congratulatory for us. Like we've taken a bit of Take a, a victory lap. <laughs> yes. Yes. Since we had the hundred episode, but we are definitely going to get started back on that again. And you can follow me at Sifu Mimi Chan on all social media. That's where I post everything. So yeah, I do my best with that. I'm not great at social media, but, but we try to share what we've learned with others. And, and your podcast um, that you do with Greg Rucka, uh, where can, where can folks find that? So uh, that's culturechatpodcast.com. And ironically that started over, COVID. So because of the pandemic, Greg Rucka is one of my weekly guests and we kind of co-host something weekly. But separate from that, I have been doing it for um, since 2016. No accident there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do a lot of different subjects. So I cover everything from Kung Fu, martial arts to social justice, uh, to just so many different, different uh, interviews with authors from you know comic books all the way to YA novels so I, I do a lot of different interviews on that as well and that's weekly and then it's become twice a week because Greg Rucka and I have been doing our uh, weekly rants as we call them yes. so <laughs> we like to talk a lot about current events and things that are going around on around the world right right and and anyone that wants to learn more about the Wallum Temple um, where can they go for that information? So much Making, to plug. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Thank you for that. It's wallum.com. And again, if you just follow me on social media at Sifu Mimi Chan, I'm constantly putting out content. But wallum.com pretty much is our website. You can see lots of fun videos as well there, but it's all interconnected. So yeah, and that's W-A-H-L-U-M. Uh, Absolutely. That's how, how you guys spell that. And yeah. I mean, like even just look on YouTube, like if you just if you just type it in, you'll find the um, the video that you put together with the demo the demo crew and it's insane oh. uh, there's a lot of you in that video there's a lot of your dad in that video and, yeah, and just yeah. a lot of a lot other... of instructors and uh, when is this releasing uh today probably oh today okay so i also encourage you to follow wallum films because there is uh, you'll be the first to kind of hear uh that there is a really cool project that's going to be released in the upcoming fall and that's going to be pretty special and we'll do a youtube premiere on that so definitely follow wallum films if you're interested in martial arts and just the performance side of it and um i think you'll be very surprised and happily surprised oh that's awesome that's that's a great so any, anything else you wanted to bring up or, or so, touch on uh no well i mean you know we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Wallum Temple in Orlando, Florida this year. So mm -hmm. it's a big milestone year for us. So that's why we're kind of releasing yeah. kind of this fun project. And then it is the 50th anniversary of the Wallum of USA, where my father actually formalized and started this. So this is a really big year for us. And it's unfortunate that through the pandemic, we've had to table a lot of the events, but yeah. it's great that we can connect virtually and be able to share things still. So um, just thank your listeners for following and, and being, you know, um, attentive during this and hopefully Mulan will live up to what it will live up to this weekend. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, folks. Well, without any further ado, that's going to do for this week's episode of Two Men in the Mouse. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And folks, if you love our buddy Peter Mandel, our wonderful co-host, please check him out at Rogue Comics 
over in Cranford, New Jersey. And you can find Pete at 105 North Union Avenue, Cranford, New Jersey, 07016. Or go on to uh, RogueComics.com where you can find a link to Pete's eBay store. If you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, Adventures by Disney, any Disney resort throughout the known world, or even Universal Orlando, check out our friend Dave Weikert of Magical Travel who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. And if you are renting a crib or stroller for your Disney vacation, please check out our buddies over at KingdomStrollers.com who will rent you the crib or stroller of your dreams and deliver it right to your Disney resort. And folks, for me, my books are out there. Uh, big news today, actually, my second audiobook, Ross and Auntie, The Decimation of Cassid, has released today. I found out about it like, you know, this morning when it came, when it was approved. Uh, so that's uh, Rossinanti and Decimation of Cassid are both now available in audiobook form. You can find all of the Rossinanti series, all uh, the three novels and the novella on Amazon.com. Also, Winters of Elnora, Birth of the Dark Angel. And of course, please check out the Morty Monster YouTube channel for our buddy Morty... Uh, going all over the uh, the parks. We actually just posted a special video uh, that we just filmed last night where Morty and I actually sing a duet together. So uh, hopefully you guys can enjoy that. That's youtube.com slash Morty Monster or facebook.com slash Morty Monster or Instagram at Morty Monster and friends. All right, folks. Well, that does it again for this and every week. Please keep the magic alive every day of your lives. We will see you next week on Two Men and the Mouse.